Welcome in. It is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. Although you may not be hearing it on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Network, you may be hearing us on Straight Out of Vegas AM's feed. Either way, subscribe to both. Like we we we'll take it, you know. But uh, you never know where we're going to be. So one of those two spots you'll always find this show. I am A.J. Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Hello, Griff. Hey, A.J. How's it going? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? You know, just a, a riveting day of NFL watching Zach Wilson and Mac uh, Mac Jones at the early uh, bookend parts of the day. Just exactly how we are spending our 75 years on this earth, you know? <laughs> that's all That's all we can do. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's not belabor anything. It's been a uh, we've been a week into the season now. I know things are going pretty well for us. It seems I, th- what, I think at pregame you're you're five and one. I'm I'm eight and one for my clients there at pregame. So uh, it's been a good start to the season. Um, your best bets on this show suck. So let's <laughs> just yes, they do. let's fix that. Let's but fix otherwise, it. Um, things are going well. Uh, let's, we've got some good games this week, so we'll, we'll go ahead and jump into them and we will, uh, we'll give our best bets at the end, but let's start at Madison square garden, Michigan minus one and a half at St. John's. And I, I came into the season expecting to fade Michigan a lot. And thankfully I haven't pulled the trigger on them yet because they're two and zero so far against UNC Asheville and Youngstown State, who I think are both pretty solid mid-major squads, and they beat them by like 30 points each. Um, I still don't fully buy into the talent on this Michigan roster. I, I think I trust Doug McDaniel, and I like the uh, the Kamwa ad, but they just don't have any scoring on the wing, and that's kind of been the calling card for Jawan Howard teams, and there's no Wagners walking through the door here. Uh, it, they 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 just kind of lack uh, like something. There's just they're not dynamic. I guess is what it is. I haven't gotten eyes on the Johnnies yet, but Patino brought a couple of his guys with him, and adding Jordan Dingle has to be good for offense. Uh, if the guys can play Patino's system defensively, that's a good start. Both of these are teams that I kind of want to see some tape on before I jump in. But based on rosters, I I kind of lean to the Johns here. What are you, what are you seeing? Well, it's interesting because I, I feel like Michigan probably is more talented than the Johnnies. I, I think they're a little bit more trustworthy because they have a better, like, more stick to it invest, more of a, I guess, a roster that's played together before. But uh, I'm still not really a believer in uh, Mr. Howard as a, a head coach yet. Um, I know he's great at getting technicals um, for fielding <laughs> basketballs while uh, on the bench and doing things of that nature. Um, starting fights, slapping other coaches, things of that stuff. But um, certainly you're going to get a fiery matchup here. And I feel like this is like, it. I mean, it has to be a redemption story for Rick Pitino. Um, getting back finally after his, um, I don't even know what you call it, whatever they did with Napoleon back in the day when he had to go off to Greece. And he was exiled. Back. Exiled. He's exiled. Thank you. He's exiled to Greece and has come back and uh, led. Uh, and I own a program that uh, was... I think really, really talented and, and caused some problems for a lot of teams. And I think he does the same thing here with the Johnnies. Now it's a little bit interesting because there's a big Michigan contingent in New York city. So I do worry a little bit 
I mean, I always worry about St. John's being lined as a home team in Madison Square Garden because it sometimes can get a little bit away from them. Uh, but I think it's a short price on a relative home team that um, I think the future is, I think, very bright for St. John's. And at this point in the season, I feel like uh, it's a great spot to catch Michigan not in their home gym, trying to kind of figure out some new pieces, as you mentioned, with a lot of limitations on the wing. Um, I think Michigan's going to be a, a, a really big team inside, and that's something that I, I feel like is kind of the old school college basketball that's not really around now. I expect there to be a lot of pressure and a lot of um, physicality potentially on a, a smaller Doug McDaniel, and that St. John's going to go after him pretty hard. So uh, I leak, excuse me, I lean, I, I'm trying not to leak, I lean to uh, St. John's as well, um, and I feel like that's the only side I want here. Okay, it uh, looks like we are aligned, although I don't know that I'm going to be involved in that game. Uh, let's look at Kansas and Kentucky. The next two games are in Chicago, and I was a little surprised at the line you made for this game, and it makes me think you may be, uh, you may be feeling differently than I am. Ken Palm makes this Kansas 5. Uh, you said Kansas 1. I, I, I made it 4. Um, I'm curious your thoughts so far on what, what you've seen out of Kentucky what, and what you what your expectations are of them. I mean, obviously, most of these teams we're talking about for the first time, but uh, they, they, I take it you must you, – you're probably higher on Kentucky than I am based on that number. Yeah, I, I think the number I put out there is fairly short, but it, it might be a lot because of the media narrative that's been spinning across college basketball. I feel like Kentucky is back to – uh, the dominant Kentuckys of years before, uh, which surprised me a lot because it's been a while since Kentucky's been good. And Kansas, of course, um, added Hunter Dickinson and really jumped, I think, in the power rankings uh, significantly this offseason. Um, more of, a, I think, a, an introductory number as well, especially with how well that Kentucky tra like travels. They bring fans really everywhere across the country. I think probably best that's not uh, Rupp Arena would probably be Atlanta. Um, but they've got a ton. and Everyone's going to go to Chicago. But um, on the other side, there's plenty of Kansas fans there. I feel like Kansas built their program on Chicago players that they used to recruit. So um, still a very important pipeline. You got the Bill self-contract extension, a lot of that going in that direction. Um, I, I think it, it's probably not a great number I threw out there, so uh, I wouldn't let that throw anybody off. But um, I, I think the question really for me is is what Kentucky will look like. And, and honestly, these this big event um, sometimes can throw out some weird results that you wouldn't really expect. Um, I think Kansas is a lot more veteran, a lot more trustworthy. So that's the way I'd lean, if anything. I, I think I just thought that Kentucky might be getting a little bit more respect on a neutral court with a fairly decent crowd potential advantage because I, I think they're going to have more fans than any other program in that building. Yeah, this I mean, this is certainly a nice matchup as far as brand names go. Sure. But they just haven't been – they haven't played like a blue blood the last couple of years. And they've got talent. Again, they always do. But this year, all the five stars came in to the backcourt. And for this matchup, where they really need help, is up front. And injuries and inexperience have them pretty limited up front right now, it looks like. They brought in Trey Mitchell as Calipari continues his tradition of stealing West Virginia's best big man. And, uh, <laughs> but he's undersized. And like when you try and put a, a 6'9 big man and say, hey, go stop Hunter Dickinson, who's the best big player I mean I guess it depends on if, if you like Edie or not but he's certainly the I think he's the best big man in the country uh for my money 
Kansas has played two nobody so far, but they just look like an absolute juggernaut. I mean, they've got you wouldn't expect a team that has this much talent to be so old, but it's like all of their guys seemingly have a ton of experience. Uh, El Marco Jackson, who's the the freshman, he's getting run in the backcourt with Dewan Harris. These teams to me are just on different levels right now. And I, I don't, I don't see Kentucky having an answer for Dickinson. So I, I like Kansas in this matchup. I, I think if this is short of five, then it's probably going to end up being a play for me. Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. I think Hunter Dickinson, at least from the highlights that I've been seeing against Sisters of the Blind so far, he's shooting threes now too, which I think makes that Trey Mitchell matchup even work worse for Kentucky. Yep. Um, I don't think Mitchell has any ability to stay with him inside, and I think that's going to be a big problem if he gets in foul trouble as well. Um, kind of, I'm a little bit surprised, like, unless it's just a Kentucky media spin on ESPN because uh, they have a significant investment in the SEC network that they're just continually pumping up uh, UK, but uh, KU on the other side, I feel like has a lot more polished players. I want, I, I like the idea of Kentucky, and I feel like they're probably going back to where Kentucky were in the past or, or where Kentucky was with a really good backcourt because I think that's where you want to be in the tournament is have your talent there. Sure. Uh, but it's early. I think that Dickinson matchup is a big problem, and it probably is the place that most people think to start when you look at these two teams matching up. So. Um, I also feel like early in the year is not really the time for Kentucky as well. So I'll be looking for a short number on Kansas here. And I, I'm unfortunate. Uh, it's sad for everyone that they're not making or they're not able to bet my numbers because that was not a very good one, I think. <laughs> All right. The other matchup uh, up there in Chicago is Duke and Michigan State. We're going to go ahead and guess this one. Duke minus four against Sparty. And these are two teams who already caught an early season L. And the loser here falls below 500. Uh, Sparty is, they have to find some offense that's not named Tyson Walker and they probably need to hit some outside shots. This is a team that was third nationally in three point percentage last year through two games. So far, they are two for 30 from three. They've made two out of their 30 attempts. That's not good. And, um, obviously a team that shot at the third best rate in the country last year. It's a pretty key thing for them. So I don't know where their offense comes from. If they, there's gotta be some positive shooting regression coming. I don't know if Madison square or if, if, you know, a neutral arena, a, an NBA arena is the place for it to, to get jumping, but do. And then Duke's big issue in the Arizona game was they just got, they got punked out on the glass. Like they, they fell behind early and it, they only lost by five points, but it never felt like they were going to win that game. And I think part of it is it's it's becoming pretty obvious that Shire isn't anything special as a coach. And, you know, he he's just he's the guy who got picked and he, he's certainly not Coach K. Um, the, the one positive I took from that Arizona game is the freshman Jared McCain, who the stats aren't really like jumping off the sheet at you, but he's a hustle guy. He looks way more well-rounded than what I read about him coming into the season. I like, I was under the impression he was just a pure scorer, but this guy looks like he's going to play defense. He's going to rebound. He doesn't care if he's shorter than everybody. He was getting in there with the trees and, and making things happen. Uh, I, I like his game. I, I think that he, he might be a player to watch. To me, though, this is these are two teams that I don't know that there's much of a difference in. 
So on a neutral, I, I've got a chance to catch more than a possession. That's probably the way I lean. I don't particularly like either one of these teams, but I, I'll lean towards Michigan State. Yeah, I think, I mean, speaking about Michigan State last year and their incredible, like almost unconscious three-point percentage numbers, they were, to me, a team you played at home because they had a much higher chance of making those threes. And then they made enough of them, usually in clutch spots as well, which you wouldn't expect those rating and percentages to be as high as they, they have been or they were last season. Um, maybe we're getting all the regression to the mean that we were expecting uh, in the first two games, but I feel like there's a little bit more trouble under the surface than maybe is a hot uh, Tyson Walker from last season that really allowed them to feel a little bit more comfortable. I think the loss of Joey Hauser also as a pretty much all you can do shoot everything type of power forward who also spread the court a lot was really important to them. And Malik Hall just hasn't either been healthy enough or hasn't really been able to to be consistent enough from a three point percentage uh, and outside shooter type of position, which I think he could be, but until they do it, I don't think we can believe that they can do it. Um, I think when I look at Duke internally or on the, in the, on the inside, uh, Filipowski is uh, going to have, a, I think, a really good time against this Michigan State team. Sissoko's older, but he's got a bunch of inches. He's got a three inches on him. Um, and then with Xavier Booker, the, the freshman, I feel like those are some big question marks for me uh, for Michigan State on the inside. If they can get Filipowski in foul trouble or something like that, get him off the floor, not playing as many minutes, that'll be a huge win for Michigan State. My biggest question, though, for Michigan State, yes, they're um, getting a decent price here, but they're, to me, always so poor in this tournament. Um, it's kind of amazing to me that they're still invited as one of the top four programs <laughs> in the country because they haven't been one for a while until they went on a decent run and upset Marquette in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, but things have not been good in East Lansing for a while now. Um, and so I'm usually not a Duke backer whatsoever, and I don't know if I'll get a price where I want to potentially get in. Um, but I think there's a lot more concern for me with Michigan State and their performance so far than Duke losing, yes, it was at home, but to a very good Arizona program that probably is going to win 30 games this season. Yeah, uh, that, that does make some sense. And it, like I, I talked about uh, Kentucky not playing like a blue blood, blue blood recently, I guess you could certainly say the same for for Michigan State, although last se- the tournament does kind of make you forget. Right. Uh, all right. Speaking of Marquette, that's where we'll go for our our last marquee matchup of the week. Uh, Marquette plus one at Illinois is the projection for Tuesday. Illinois is a team that I think is going to get better as the season goes on. The talent is certainly there, like Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, uh, Quincy Garrier. Like the problem is they don't have a real point guard to run the whole thing. They're averaging double digit turnovers through two games, which is a problem when you face Marquette that's averaging 15 forced uh, turnovers per game. And this Marquette team, like, I, I mean, we talked about it on the first episode that I, this was a team I, I think could, could potentially win a national championship. Like, you know, Kolick and, and Oso, those are, it's like the kings of pick and roll. Uh, Cam Jones is averaging 22, 22 a game so far. And this is also the Shaka road dog spot where Shaka Smart on the road as an underdog, 65% ATS in his career. That's an insane number. Like I said, I think Illinois is going to be good. I think Marquette is already there. So I, I, I like Marquette. Uh, catch, I mean, I'd like him anything, if, catching anything, certainly, but I, I'd like him up to, uh, up to three. So what do you see in this matchup? Uh, it's hard to disagree 
point guard's the most important uh, position in this sport. And I think in college, it's especially important because the turnover ratios that you see in college versus the NBA are ex- exponentially different, I feel. Um, I don't know if there's ever a time that Shaka's going to go back to the havoc, but I mean, I swear to God, like this is like a wave your arms in the air. Like I'm doing, if you're watching us on video, like, like do it here, Shaka, but I don't think he will, unfortunately, but I do think he will put on a lot more ball pressure than maybe he would against another team that doesn't have this type of weakness. Um, you mentioned it. Marquette returned so many good players from a, an outstanding team that shocked a lot of people's expectations. Um, I think there is a theory that they're going to revert to the mean because there was low expectations for them coming into the season and they ran away with a Big East tournament that had the national champ or the Big East regular season conference championship that had a national championship team in it. Um, I'm a very, I think I'm more concerned with where they're playing, going to Champaign, because I think that's going to be a really tough place to play early season, of course. Um, but that's not close to Chicago from what my experience is. And it's like, I haven't been there, but, uh, from what I understand, not very close to Chicago, kind of a, a weird trip to get there. I'm sure they can fly into Champaign or something like that. But, um, ultimately I feel like Illinois, uh, are going to be a better team later. And I have not had a great, uh, success record fading Terrence Shannon. He honestly kills me and I can't really explain it, but I, I feel like there's a lot of, bigs on this Illinois team where Marquette's a team full of guards and I generally lean to the guards more sh- more so than the, fa- the, the the forwards or the bigger guys so um, spread them out force a lot of turnovers I think is the game plan here um, I think that works and I think that is one of those few things that does travel is turning the your opponent over getting them less shots getting more shots for you getting better shots potentially at the rim uncontested layups and things of that nature um, I think a lot of times and, and really one of my angles that worked well last year for me and something I'm trying to do this year is to bet a lot of home favorites that are short um, that can't be lined much higher than they are. And I think Illinois fits this with, with the, the pretty much high expectations for Marquette coming into the season. Um, but I don't know that this is an Illinois team setup that I want to really get anything involved with until we know that they're going to control the ball and they couldn't do it last year with a better point guard. So I don't know why. Um, we would believe it to be fixed all of a sudden just because Terrence Shannon and TJ Shannon is there another year. Yeah, I've got to uh, I've got to stop believing in Underwood so much. Uh, <laughs> he's he's cost me plenty of money over the last couple. Of I years, mean, so. and, and he should. Be, I wonder if it's just because he shocked the 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 haters, the doubters, um, Oklahoma State being one of them, his employer, and then um, jumped this big Illinois job, and it's kind of been middling since then. But that's kind of like a Big Ten job is you lose a bunch of road games and then uh, get disappointed at the end of the season. That's it. All right. Before we uh, get to best bets, uh, get college basketball season access from any pro you choose. Uh, normally five seventy five. You can get it for only four seventy seven when you use the promo code College uh, when you're checking out, and that is good for seven days. So that's any pro college basketball all access. Griffin, myself, Steve Fezzik, uh, Goodfella, Essler, all these guys do college hoops. Uh, whoever you like, and it's only four seventy seven. Save you a hundred bucks there. Just use that promo code College at checkout. Uh, who's been going first on best bets? Because we need to switch it up. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been you. So why don't I take okay. the reins here? And uh, thank you for conceding the tee box. Uh, and then we'll see if we can potentially change some things around. Because our our pregame bets have been going very well. Um, unfortunately, my on the podcast bets need to get fixed, as you mentioned. So. Uh, to start there, I'm going to go deep into the southern part of the United States 
And I'm going to go for a big, big time rivalry between South Alabama and Alabama. I think Alabama is really thinking about this matchup more than just the one day before as they prep for it. Yes, yeah, circled. They were really scared to schedule it after South Alabama had such a, a great year last year, season. But um, it's just a, a, a good program to me that I think is still under the radar with a really good young coach and Richie Riley. Um, they got a big win on the road at Buffalo, not the same Buffalo type talent that it had in the past when Bobby Hurley was there. Um, but I've really liked the South Alabama team. They've got a really talented Auburn transfer and Tyrell Turbo Jones that's running the, the ship for them. And I'm looking at Alabama as potentially not the same type of one seed caliber of talent uh, this season. I mean, we'll see what they grow into and they do a really great job of beating teams handily in the SEC at home. But I feel like this is a, a potential opportunity for South Alabama to go in make a statement that they're a good program that are going to compete for the NCAA tournament again this season. Uh, and that Alabama might not have as easy a time as this 19 point spread is projected on Torvik. I don't know if you agree with that number, but uh, give me South Alabama plus 19. I think they hang around and stay within the number. I generally think so too. And that, that 19 is a good number. I think um, I, and obviously I didn't see the game between Mobile and South mm, Alabama, mm, mm. but South Alabama losing to a D2 school to start the season is kind of alarming to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, eh, but then they followed up and, and beat Buffalo. Uh, so I don't know. And I mean, again, Buffalo is not what they once were either, but they went on the road and did it, which is, is a good thing to, I, I always think it's a good thing to have a road game under your belt before you go play your first big road game sure um so i i do like that but yeah that that data point is a little alarming to me um sure. the, the and it's always this the scary thing about playing an alabama team is they go fast and if you are turnover prone you can get run out pretty quick and so if south alabama takes care of the ball i think they can hang in this game uh that's been a bit of a problem so far this year uh but the the guys that they have taking care of the ball should be better than what they have been. So uh, it's just a couple, again, early season, these data points, like two bad games make you look like you're the worst thing in the world at, at something just like Michigan state. I, I promise you is probably not the, uh, the third worst three point shooting team in the country, but through two games, they are. Prove um, it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I like the number there. Uh, and Alabama is generally a team that I, I think people are going to pay a premium on. Uh, and I'm not sure that that is warranted granted or given what they've, what they brought back from last season, though. I do like, you know, Sears and Estrada and like, they've got a bunch of, uh, I think they've got like four seniors starting. So it's a, it's a, a very uh, experienced team. Um, but I do think there is some, there's some weakness to exploit there. All right. For my best bet, I'm, I'm going to go even deeper on the board, but I'm going to go for a Monday game. Uh, I'm going to go Pepperdine minus 15 and a half against Long Island University, who was the worst team in the country last season, at least per per Ken Palm. They had one division one win all season. They played seven teams last year who were inside the top 200 of Ken Palm. So think about that. Their their entire schedule was like the bottom half of the world. And they still only won one game all year. They lost those seven games to teams inside the top 200 by an average of 32 points per game. And Pepperdine happens to fall inside the top 200 uh, at Ken Palm at 165 uh, right now. And 
this Ken Palm, or excuse me, this this Pepperdine team is frustrating because I mean they had NBA talent on their roster last year and they stunk. Uh, They won nine games and Maxwell Lewis is gone, but Romar keeps bringing in talent. Uh, Ethan Anderson transfers in from Wyoming. Uh, he is, he's immediately taken over the point. They're comfortable playing fast and and they've got enough athletes that they should be able to dominate a team full of D two level kids. And the biggest issue for long Island is if you're a bad team and you play ultra fast, you can get, like I just talked about, you can get run out. Like if if you don't have, if you're not making plays and you're, all you're doing is creating more possessions, it's just it's a it's a recipe for big margin losses, and that's what I think the case will be here. Um, Pepperdine much better at home than on the road. I, I, I was looking it up; they haven't won a road game. Pepperdine hasn't since twenty twenty one. So, I, like, sounds like Lorenzo Romar to me, baby. Yeah, just something to keep in mind. Like, uh, it, and I get it; they've got a beautiful campus, but man, you'd think at some point you'd, you'd get off there and and do something, do the job, uh, but. This for me, it's mostly just uh, th- this. Feels like Long Island is getting more respect than they should. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't. I think having Rod Strickland is is a cool thing when you're in Brooklyn and you're you're trying to get players in. But I don't know that he can coach, and if he doesn't have talent, which he doesn't, uh, it, it, until he does, it's gonna be it's gonna be very difficult. So. Uh, give me, give me Pepperdine to handle business here. Uh, minus 15 and a half is the available number. Yeah. Ethan Anderson, a former USC talent as well before he transferred to Wyoming. So, uh, being that we have been so respectful of the USC Trojans on this podcast to start the season. And I think going back now three seasons, we've been doing this. Um, I like it. I think, I mean, it's about time Pepperdine gets back on the map, and maybe this Ty Strickland guy uh, is just a nepotism thing uh, playing for Rod Strickland, LIU Brooklyn. Uh, there's b- both brothers are, are playing there. Uh, and by the way, USC got us to the window again. I'm 2-0 and back in USC this Heck year. Yeah. Uh, they might so, be our uh, squad. They might be. They might be. I like what I'm seeing out of them. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Hopefully uh, give you some – some nuggets to chew on for the big games this week and hopefully get some uh, best bets to the window as well. Griffin, appreciate it as always. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your friends to subscribe. Tell your friends, girlfriends, mom to subscribe. Wh- whoever, just have people subscribe. Uh, appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you on Thursday for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday episode. Take care, guys.